it's your girl Miss Brittany M and we are back with another episode <laughs> of Sister to Sister Podcast. Y'all already know JoJo's here and yes. we are just laughing and having a good old time. And so in today's episode, I specifically wanted to talk about home ownership. So a lot of millennials, um, especially recently on Instagram, Twitter, if you guys follow people on social media, you know, a lot of millennials are becoming homeowners. And so I feel like some of us get a bit discouraged because we may think that we need to be at a certain tax bracket. We may need our credit to be at a certain level, or we just feel like that particular goal is so far fetched, especially in your twenties. And so I love mom's story because it's, pretty untraditional. The way she was able to get her first property in her 20s um, is very different from your typical way of doing things. So I wanted mom to come on the podcast today and just talk about her experience, but then also share some of her resources and knowledge on how we can become homeowners in our 20s. Correct. Well, it is doable. Um, I think a lot of people, like you stated, are afraid because either they don't know the process or they're just afraid to take a risk. In my case, I was fortunate because my brother was selling his two-bedroom home. Mm -hmm. He was in the process of buying another home. But because that particular house that he was leaving needed significant amount of repairs, at that point he knew he had to just sell it out cash. So I took that opportunity and I think at the time I was about 28. Um, I took that opportunity and I had some money saved up and I decided to negotiate with him. Like anyone else, just because they're family, they're not going to cut you any type of side deals or any deals at all. Because again, he needed the money to put down on his next home and I needed to save as much as I could on that down payment. So once I bought the house, it did sit for a while. It, because again, now all my savings are gone. I mean, I had to literally start from scratch. Um, that's when you start looking at your resources. Okay, who do I know that's a good painter that is going to charge me, you know, a few dollars? Who do I know who's good with, you know, putting sheetrock on the walls? Who do I know that can do the plumbing? That's when you start talking to people. Uh, looking at people where you can pull in different resources. Well, to make a long story short, finally got the house to a point where now it's able to be rented. Now, I wasn't greedy because, again, it was only a two-bedroom house. It was in North Philadelphia. And at that time, you know, people were looking for a deal to move in in terms of renting. So I had two options. I can either rent it to someone who was just looking for a property or I can invest and put the house up for Section 8. Because in the city of Philadelphia, they do have, like most cities, PHA, Section 8. With Section 8 housing, what you do is you contact Section 8, you tell them that you do have a property that you're willing to list with them, and they actually find you the tenant. They pay the majority of the rent and then the renter is potentially paying the shorter end you know because everything is based on their income mm -hmm. um for me i opted not to go the section eight way although that is a good revenue for people especially beginning and you're just trying to you know make the quick money as they say 
I decided to rent outside of Section 8. Little by little, with that particular income that I was having come in, I decided to say, you know what, let me, first of all, you have to save for a rainy day. Because just because you're renting the house doesn't mean that things are not going to happen. And I remember two things growing up. The first one was I remember my mom used to have me and Hota and my little cousins, and we will all help out mm -hmm. to either clean the house out, clean the yard, whenever mm -hmm. my mom had um, like new tenants coming. As a family, we would go and we would try our best to just like do anything we could, whether it was like, I don't know, mop the floors or maybe mom wanted to get new windows. So that was one thing. So when it comes to getting a property, sometimes like mom said, you may not have the finances to um, invest in professionals. And that's where we came in and we helped as much as we could. Yeah. Another thing is mom, tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like you only rent it to women. Well, because I was in the housing field at that time and working for a transitional housing program, there was a need out there. Okay. So, of course, that's why I always kept the rent low because my goal was not to be rich, but it, it serves two purposes. I was able to help a family in need and at the same time make a little money off of that property. But I say that only because at the end of the day, you don't have to go out and buy this six bedroom house and you don't have to go out and buy this four bedroom house. You can start off small. A lot of times people don't even think about, especially here now in Atlanta, trailer homes. Think about it. Mm -hmm. If you can buy a trailer home anywhere between $50,000, $70,000, your mortgage is going to be less than $300 a month. You turn around, you rent that trailer home for five fifty, six hundred dollars. You're still making a profit, and you still have enough money to pay that mortgage. This is what I mean about starting off small. Now, if you have the capital, by all means, go for it. Mm -hmm. But for those who are just beginning in this process, it's really not that difficult. And guys, um, I have been doing my research on trailer homes. Depending on which state you guys live in, um, I've been finding trailer homes that are trying to be sold for cash for $12,000 to $15,000. So I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe you guys want to do your own research in your own city. You never know. Right. You have to do your research to make sure that there are no liens on that property that you're about to buy whether it be through a mortgage whether it be through an individual you know person to person like you have to do your due diligence when it comes to these properties because again not everyone is going to be you know honest with you that's the sad part mm -hmm. so so what happened to your first property well once i rented out the property again i decided to just take that extra income and bank it mm -hmm. you know what i mean um from that point on i bought a second property um, that same, the same way, you know, most people, what they do is if you have a mortgage on that first property, you know, you borrow against it. If you have enough equity in North Philadelphia, at least back then you were able to get cheap homes, but the downside is that they did need a lot of repairs. So that's where you have to weigh your pros and your cons. If you're young, like I was at that point, I had the time. I had the time to invest and just little by little, you know, make the necessary repairs. But it is doable. I mean, a lot of people think, particularly for women, you know, that they can't do it. Yes, you can. You, you really, it all depends on how bad you want to move to that next level. And you have to, unfortunately, like some people say, use the gift of gabs. You know, there's somebody that knows somebody that has what you need when it comes to trying to repair a home and where to find the best deals. So then how did you get the second property when you already had the first one? 
Well, again, with the savings from that particular property, then I was able to put a down payment on the second property. Now, the second property, I did have to get a small mortgage on it, but the mortgage was doable. So did you stay on the mortgage on the, on the first one? No, the first one I bought out cash okay. because when he moved, like I said, it needed a lot of repairs. And whether he was trying to sell it to me through a mortgage, when they came out to do the inspection, it wouldn't have passed. That's how many repairs it needed. So I opted to just buy it and hold on to it and then little by little just make the necessary repairs. The good thing, the good thing about that property is that it was a two-bedroom home, so it's not like it needed all these rooms, you know, redone. Um, things back then were a whole lot cheaper, mm -hmm. you know, and I was still living at home. So that right there was the bulk of the money. Mm -hmm. And I do remember, if I'm not mistaken, Mom, that property helped pay my brother's way through college. Oh, yeah, definitely. That that extra income amount, that's exactly what where most of that money went when your brother, you know, because I kept, I've had that property for years. Let's just start there. Um, because it was my first investment property, it was very, very hard for me to let it go. And it suited its purpose. You know, it helped me get Christian through college. That was an easy five, six, seven hundred dollars a month that I didn't have to worry about. You know, as people, you know, moved in and out, let's say someone was there for three years. Once that person got to the point where they needed a larger home, you know, I would go in, make the necessary repairs and necessary changes, and then on to the next tenant. Um, even when you're picking your tenants, I mean, know the laws. Every state has their laws and you have to make sure that you're not um, discriminating against your tenants. You know, a lot of people don't know from the other side of the spectrum, if I'm a landlord and you come to my property, you know, by law, I'm not allowed to ask you how many children you have. Because at that point, I, I can be discriminated against you, you know, if you have what they consider too many children. Um, so, you know, the goal for the landlord is to tell you how large is the unit, you know, what utilities you'll be responsible for, and how many bedrooms the property has. That, again, every state has their own individual tenant's rights. Every state has their own individual laws in terms of renting, and just know the law. You know, because sometimes as a landlord, you could be sued and you don't even know why. So there's certain questions as a landlord you just can't ask. Now, have you ever had to kick a tenant out? I don't remember this. No, no, but there is, um, there is a process. You, if someone doesn't pay you the rent, every state is different. Once again, first of all, you have to have a renter's license in order to rent a home. A lot of people think that that process is long and excruciating. It's really not. It's about going down City Hall and applying for a renter's license. Um, if so you, first you get the property. Mm -hmm. You get it inspected. Mm -hmm. It depends if you're going to put it through a program. Okay. Like if you put it through Section 8, yeah, they, Section 8 sends out an inspector. They inspect the property just to make sure that you know it's up to par in order to be entered into or submitted into their program and to be able to rent to someone i mean because let's be honest you do have a lot a lot of landlords who are shitty landlords mm -hmm. you know what i mean they just worry about that money coming in and not making the necessary repairs right so that's no different than if you sell it to if you put the property on a program or if you just rent the property you know so if you don't do the program was, was, you, you still need a renter's license in okay. order to rent. That renter's license also protects you, let's say the person doesn't pay the rent. 
now you have to go to landlord court, uh, whatever it's called here, and you have to submit for an eviction. And you know, why are you evicting this individual? Nine times out of 10 is non-payment of rent. Mm -hmm. They haven't paid me for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Again, every state is different. You have to send a 30 day notice to the tenant, you know, giving that person ample time to either make a payment arrangement with you or at least talk to you and tell you why you're not paying the rent. You have to decide when you get into this field, you know, what's your overall goal? Because you have some people who get into the real estate game just to flip homes. Mm -hmm. Again, that's not my expertise. You know, I'm more so let me hold on to it. Let me see how this is going to benefit me. And in the long run, if I feel, you know, it's time to either get a larger property or get into something different, then I sell it. But you do have a lot of people in the real estate game that all they want to do is buy and flip. For some people, it works. You know, for others, they may buy a house thinking that they're going to flip it in the next 90 days, like some of these programs tell you, and no go. Mm -hmm. So you really, really got to make sure and do, you know, do your research in terms of whether or not this is something for you. Yeah. Do I feel as though people can benefit in the long run all day long? You know, for those who are afraid to get into this real estate game, like anyone, you know, and don't always fall for these quick scheme programs either. You know, do your own research. I can't stress that enough. But you can always start small. Like I said, here in Georgia, it's ideal. You know, look into one of these either row homes to begin with or trailer, uh, trailer home. homes to begin with. Something small just to get your feet wet. And that's where you can grow from there. Once we've done our homework on the house, mm -hmm. what are we doing? And I'm talking about credit, money, finance. What are we doing on our end? It depends on how you're trying to buy it. If okay. you're trying to get a mortgage on the property, especially if it's a property that you just want as uh, income-based property for yourself, nine times out of ten, all these first-time home buyers program, you're not going to qualify for. Because okay. if you have to read the fine print with those programs too, a lot of those programs, you have to live in that house. Sometimes it could be five years before they would allow you to either rent, mm -hmm. you know, like to leave it and rent it to someone else. Because again, if they're giving you this free money, they're under the assumption it's for you, not for you to turn around and use their money to flip that house. Now, what if a millennial does want to live in their first home? They can, and if they go through a first-time home buyers program, they have to know what that program requires. Because some of them will tell you, 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 you're not allowed to do that for X amount of years. So explain to anybody who doesn't know what a first... First-time homebuyers program or different types of programs throughout every state that assist you with your first purchase of your first home. Um, it's usually based on your income. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. Your income and your credit. Those are the two things that are going to get you through the door. A lot of first-time homebuyers program also have credit counseling, which is major. You know, especially if you are interested for yourself, not to rent that home to someone else, but you're interested in that home for yourself and your credit is not up to par. If you don't know the necessary steps to help build that credit, then yes, I would say go through the credit counseling, which is that they link you up with a housing counselor and they look at all three credit reports. Mm -hmm. They look at your income and they tell you what needs to be done and how soon. Okay. So for those who feel as though they have good credit, more than likely they can walk in the door and the process won't be as long. For those people who have 
not so good credit and are willing to work the system and follow the necessary steps, it may take you six months to a year to get that credit rebuilt. But they do give you the down payment on your first home. Correct. So just in case you guys are looking into buying your first home, definitely check out the first home buyer program in your local area. You mm -hmm. never know. Yeah. And they all have credit counseling, you know, which they'll link you up to a credit counselor. And like I said, they'll be able to look into all three credit reports with you and tell you what needs to be paid down and how soon. Um, but that's, that's, Again, even when you're looking at credit, there's so many ways to help build up that credit that that's where you need to begin. If you're even thinking and contemplating that whether you're buying a car or a house or anything else, that credit is major. Okay. So but it is credit, doable. First Home Buyers Program, if we want to live in the home, uh -huh. uh, what would you say is next? Now, how much should we be saving? A lot of people ask that. It depends on how much you want to put down on a house. If you go through FHA, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like three to five percent. Um, if you go conventional, it may be a little more. Okay. So it's it's two types: conventional, FHA. Mm -hmm. it, it all, it's all going to depend on you know your lender and what you actually qualify for. So now, are there any do's and don'ts that you have that you would share? Or maybe anything you didn't know back then? I think the down payment is a clincher because what most banks won't tell you, they tell you to save. So some banks may go back to 24 months of savings. Other banks may go back a year. But what I found out... Um, they want to know every deposit. Let's say the bank says, I need to look at your last six deposits. Mm -hmm. And two of those deposits were like for $5,000. But your check may be only for $2,100. So they want to know where did this money come from. Mm -hmm. They get very specific with the deposits that you make into your so-called savings account that you're using for the down payment. Mm -hmm. So you have to be clear and keep all receipts of where this money is coming from. Okay. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Well, we hope this really helped you guys. Um, hopefully it just brings up that conversation on either purchasing your first home to live in or your first um, investment property. Mm -hmm. Comment below, let me know if you guys have any more questions you wanna ask JoJo as far as the process or what you think or your experience. But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Comment below any of your questions, concerns, or your personal experience, and we will see you guys next week. Adios.